Today, you can drive south from Fort Smith down to Blue Eye and Polk County in about an hour, by way of the Harry Etheridge Memorial Parkway. It's a bright band of American road, one of the finest in America, even if it didn't quite have the anticipated effect of turning Polk County into the Branson of West Arkansas, and even if some local cynics call it a porkway and not a parkway. Fast food restaurants and super gas stations cluster at its exit ramps. Pennants flapping in the breeze. The high signs of national motel chains. Days Inn, Holiday Inn, Ramada Inn can be seen from the roadway, even if the motels are never more than half full and the anticipated Polk County land boom never quite took off. The land, especially as you near Blue Eye, county seat of Polk, becomes spectacular for the Wachita Mountain Range, the only east-west range in America, a heaving sea of pine-crusted earth and rock. The parkway was finished in 1995, under the sponsorship of Boss Harry's son, Hollis Etheridge, then a member of the United States Senate, and later a presidential aspirant. It was the son's idea to honor his father, an authentic great man, who had been born dirt poor in Polk County and had found his fortune first in the intense ward politics of Fort Smith and then in the true corridors of power in Washington, where he was a 15-term congressman and the chairman of the House Defense Appropriations Committee. It was only fitting that Polk County and Fort Smith should honor a man who'd brought so much glory and so much patronage their way. In 1955, no parkway existed, nor could one even be imagined. You got from Blue Eye to the big city the way Harry had when he'd moved up there just after the Great War. That is, along snaky, slow Route 71. As piss-poor an excuse for a road as could be imagined, two lanes of shabby blacktop cranking through the mountains and the farmland, widening every ten miles, but just slightly for one-horse towns like Huntington, Mansfield, and Needmore, or Bowles, or even the poorest and most pathetic, Y City. It was just the hard, scrabble landscape of one of America's most wretched states. Hills too mean to be farmed, valleys where desperate men eked out some kind of subsistence-level survival, and now and then some cultivated land but more usually the bleak shacks of sharecroppers. One hot morning in July of that year, a Saturday, at the Polk and Scott County line on U.S. 71, about 12 miles north of Blue Eye, a state police black-and-white Ford pulled over to the side of the road, and a tall officer got out, removed his Stetson, and ran his sleeve over the sweat on his forehead. He wore three yellow sergeant stripes on his shoulder, and under a gray brush cut, had the flat-eyed, incapable-of-surprise face of a non-commissioned officer in any army or police force in the past 4,000 years. A whole phalanx of wrinkles moved across his leathery face, which had been baked in the sun for so many years it resembled a scrap of ancient hide. His eyes were slitted and shrewd, eyes that missed nothing and also expressed nothing. He had a voice so deep and raspy, it sounded like someone cutting through a 300-year-old hardwood pine 
with a 300-year-old saw. His name was Earl Swagger, and he was 45 years old. Earl looked about. The road was cut into the slope here, so that there was a high bank on one side, and on the other the land fell away. Not much to see, other than a goddamn billboard for Texaco gasoline, just a south slope, close-grown forest, hard to walk through, a cutting maze of short-leaf pine, black oak, and black hickory, with a tangled undergrowth of sawbriar and Arkansas yucca. Dust seemed to hang in the air. There was no breeze, no sense at all of mountain crispness. You looked back toward Blue Eye, and your vision was cut off by the hump of Fouche Mountain up ahead, which just appeared to be a huge wall of green. On the road, an armadillo had been smeared to meat and blood and shattered shell by a logger's rig. In the still heat, cicadas hummed, sounding like a drunken quartet of Jews' harps. It hadn't rained in weeks. Forest fire weather. It reminded Earl of other hot, dusty places he'd been. Tarawa, Saipan, and Iwo Jima. He checked his boulevard. He was early, but then he'd been early most of his life. It was 9.45 a.m. The others were still 15 minutes off. Earl put his Stetson back on. A Colt Trooper 357 rested under a flap on a holster at his right hand. He hitched it up, for the heavy weight of the big pistol was always drawing his belt downward, and it was a continual battle to keep the gun where it was supposed to be. Thirty gleaming high-velocity soft-point cartridges rode in the belt loops, gleaming because, unlike other officers, he removed them each night from the loops and wiped them off to prevent them from corroding in the moisture the leather attracted. His fifteen years in the Marine Corps had taught Earl many lessons, but the most important of them was always take care of your equipment.